Alrighty guys, bit of a different podcast today. I am joined by a very special guest. In light of Mail Coach March, I have my partner Carl on the podcast today. And I was kind of a little bit like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Like it is a fitnessy podcast. Um, you know, popped up a question box on my Instagram to see what sort of questions people wanted to ask him specifically. Um, and apart from <laughs> a few funny people asking, does Kayla snore? Who does the worst farts? When's he going to train calves <laughs> or when is calf day? Um, we did get one very, very interesting question, which I think we can dive deeper into. It's not very fitnessy. Um, and I was a little bit nervous about it, but your friend Holly has asked a very, very interesting question, which I think we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit later, but, you know, first starting off, give us a little bit of a background on who you are, where you've come from and what, where you currently are now and what you're doing. Okay. So as Kayla said, I'm Carl. But if you want to take the piss out of me, you can call me by my slave name, Carol. <laughs> my mum and dad thought it would be funny to give me a real crappy name. That's an African name, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was born in Africa in a country called Namibia. Then from there on out, moved to South Africa. was there for a couple of years. Flourished as a family. And then we saw that Australia looked really nice. Um, did, little did we know that moving here was going to be really really hot <laughs> and the spiders try to kill you hot compared to africa much much worse really it is so hot here how good's perth perth is amazing um but it also gets really humid so i've got a bit of an extensive background i studied music did my electrical apprenticeship i actually studied law for a hot minute as well but decided that wasn't for me and then i moved into movement science and exercise physiology then became a health coordinator for Rio. So I did FIFO. I did FIFO for a couple of years. And throughout that time, I've always had people ask me, oh, can you help me out? Can you do me a program? Can you do my diets? That's part of what I studied at university. And I always said, you know, I'll help you out as little as what I think you need to be able to support yourself as well. But I never took money for it because I wasn't a coach. And my time with Rio has wrapped up now, so I've decided to move into the world of online training, online coaching, and I also start training out of a gym here in Perth next week. So it's a completely different chapter, not something that I actually ever thought I'd be able to do because um, I, I quite like working alone. I'm very isolated, but we'll see how this new challenge um, goes. It's quite funny because when I first came across you or, or I guess you came across me and you messaged me I was just checking out your Instagram and I was like Ugh, a fitness guy like I don't <laughs> I'm not interested in any fitness guys anymore and then I kind of found out like fitness is kind of like it was your hobby right like you looked to me like a bodybuilder like you'd been in bodybuilding for quite a while um, but you know sort of getting to know you a lot more it's like fitness is just a one part of you and like your main kind of I guess passion or number one passion is more so music so tell us a little bit about like how you got into fitness I guess so when when Kayla and I had the conversation 
um, I guess this is probably like two months into our relationship, she said, oh, she never thought that she would ever end up with a, a meathead slash bodybuilder again <laughs> after her detrimental endeavor with her previous partner. And I actually took that as a bit of an insult and I got a little bit upset because <laughs> training is the very last part of my repertoire that I have and I consider myself a musician, first of all. Um, I started out with music when I was, I started studying music when I was, how old was I? I don't know, I wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> 11? I think 11 or 10 I started off with music. Um, this was in primary school, so I started off with classical piano. Absolutely loved it. Um, I come from a musical background, my whole family plays, more so piano. My dad plays a little bit of the guitar and started studying and I got bullied relentlessly for this. When I say relentlessly, I mean relentlessly bullied for it because you know, I'm an easy target, little skinny boy playing piano um, back mm. in the day. And I assume, you know, people probably thought I was maybe a homo or something, I don't know, but you know, easy target. But I was lucky enough to be able to secure myself a scholarship in high school, going into um, that part of my life. I went to high school for free um, on the back of my musical talents. I played in the school orchestra. And from there on out, it just evolved as I did as a person, how my music taste moved on. And from there on out, I started playing guitar, taught myself and moved into a bit of the heavier genre of music, especially here in Perth. I got um, exposed to different types of music, played in a few bands, recorded a few songs. And as time just went on, everything, as you know, evolves. And now I mainly make music in my lounge where I record myself and play music. And it's just a hobby, but I would, pres I would, I would describe myself firstly as a musician and very lastly as a, a meathead, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I guess like going back to life in Africa, like you weren't sort of thinking about fitness and training and things like that. You're more kind of like trying to survive, right? So tell us a little bit about, you know, that background, where you sort of came from. Um, I never really played any sports. I didn't play rugby. I didn't play cricket. Did none of that. I did a little bit of that, a little bit of athletics because I was really <coughs> tall and lanky. I was quite good at high jump and long jump. Just the aerodynamics of my structure made it really easy for me to cut through the air. So... <laughs> I held a state record for long jump and I think that was probably the extent of any physical activity that I ever did in my life. I used to race motorbikes when I was younger as well um, and I did train a little bit in the gym, did some spinning classes and more so just trained forearms, mm. um, literally just trained forearms <laughs> to overcome arm pump. Basically what that is, because the motorbike vibrates so much when you're riding a deer across, you just get basically a pump in your forearms and you can't hold on anymore yeah. and that really was the extent of anything that I ever knew about training my mum and dad never really exercised they did spinning classes because they rode long distance um, racing bikes I don't know what it's called road bikes yeah road bikes yeah and and that was about it until I moved to Australia and up until the age of 22 I weighed 60 kilo at six foot two, so I was very lanky and very tall. And then um, I unfortunately had a accident at work where I broke my back 
L5 vertebrae and damaged the S2 sciatic nerve, which has now left me with a 17% full body impairment. And my rehab consisted of me training in the gym and lifting heavy weights. And I guess just from there, it started off. I was like, you know what, this is quite fun. I quite like enjoying this. And I was working with the exercise physiologist at the time. And that would have been where it sparked off. I think I gained, because I was off my feet, I gained a little bit of weight. And then lifting weights just translated to me gaining muscle. And then I quite liked the response that I saw. And I got bitten. Bitten by the fitness bug. <laughs> And then from there on out, it was just McDonald's and training. No McDonald's. chicken and rice. Oh, yeah. that sounds healthy. It was just, honestly, McDonald's. Dirty bowls. <laughs> McDonald's and protein bars and shakes. Yeah. What about uh, your sniping history? Do we want to go into that? Um, sorry for anyone that knows anything about Africa. There's been wars going on for, I don't know, decades and decades and decades. Um, my dad was in the military. He was a sniper. That's what he did. And that kind of rubbed off on me. And when I went to high school, year eight and year nine, we had sniping as a sport, basically. And because I wasn't a very athletic person, I decided that this is very easy because I get to lay down and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I took up sniping and I was a regional champion for the first two years. But then it got taken out of schools because the state said that the, I'm going to put in brackets here, the white schools are training up domestic terrorists. Right. So unfortunately that got taken away. I quite enjoyed that. So did you ever have to put that those skills into practice, like in Africa? Um, in hunting, yes, we quite like hunting yeah. over there. And also um, against, what do you call it? Um, I guess vermin. So um, with the livestock, so my uncles had farms. And the livestock, every now and again, would get terrorized by foxes and hyenas and stuff like that. So we would go out on night hunting sprees and, you know, kill a couple of them so we can keep our livestock safe. Mm -hmm. And that was something I really enjoyed. It was really, really, really cold at night when we used to do that. Mm. So what a lot of people might not know is when you try to shoot something that's two, three, four hundred meters away you're shaking from the cold so it's quite difficult oh, shit. um but i really enjoyed that but i was freezing like it would go below zero so freezing point but because it's so dry over there it never it never snows everything just freezes right. but i loved it it's it wonderful memories okay so big difference like moving over here and then living in perth like living in perth but then also living up north for like two out of three weeks yes of the year up in wherever wa middle of nowhere and it's like 40 50 degrees i quite enjoy the heat to be honest um i'm very comfortable in very hot situations over at work where i did fifo it's it's in newman so it's in the pilbara so in summertime over there when i leave my room or donga as we call it up there donga. at 5 30 in the morning it can already be 30 degrees yeah ew uh, which a lot of people like you would say you too. So for me, that's something that I find, I won't say I find it enjoyable. It's just something that I'm used to and I'm very comfortable in that, in that environment. Yep. I feel like I thrive there. I feel like I work better. Keep in mind, I didn't work outside. I worked in an office, which mm. was air conditioned. And I also had the biggest office in the whole Pilbara. Very comfortable. Yes, mm. yes. But I mean, I would go outside 
during the day, um, my lunch breaks, I would go out, walk into the mountains, take my shirt off, get some sun. In the afternoons at three o'clock, I would do welfare checks, go around to the other people that are working outside, which is classified as remote, mm. and just hand out isopoles, some fruit, just to make sure that they're hydrated and just check in on them mentally. And I really enjoyed that because I get to go outside. Yeah, and so I guess like settle the argument, which country has the deadliest animals? Is it Africa or is it Australia? Well, to do that, we need to defy animals. Do you defy humans as animals? Um, no. Okay, so <laughs> Australia. <laughs> okay, because you, so say, you say the people over in Africa are deadly. Yes, uh, South Africa is extremely dangerous. So um, I did a for what was it criminology i had to do a report on crime in australia versus south africa and the financial year 2014 to 2015 no don't quote me on this i can't remember the exact number in australia there was only 236 murders in all of australia with a population of 52 million people sorry 25 million people and in south africa with double the population of 52 million, there was 18,000 murders a year. Jesus. So it should have been double, so you would expect maybe 500. But coming back to your animals, um, I grew up on a farm with, you know, with my uncles having wildlife sanctuaries with lions and hippos and the ones with the... Giraffes. No, the one with the... With the elephants. With the, yes, that one. <laughs> with the nose. Elephants. With um, the trunk. Yeah, with the trunk. So I grew up with all of that, and that's very common for me. Um, but in Australia, I, I got bitten by a redback once and that, that sent me to hospital and I, and, and I died a little bit in hospital. Oh, they Jesus. To, they had to bring me back the to life. The amount so of times you've died almost. Yeah, not too many. So <laughs> Australia definitely has the worst, the worst animals. I mean, even the ants here suck. Yeah. We don't like them. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like moving on to, you know, previously, like, you know, you finished up with Rio, moving on to your fitness career and, um, you know, starting to train people online and going into online training. Like you've done really well in such a short amount of time. Like, you know, I work with a lot of coaches and I find that, you know, they do struggle with gaining clients uh, online. Whereas like within sort of like, about two months of you just starting out you know you had 10 clients like in the bag and I attribute that like you tell me what you sort of think about it but I attribute that to you actually just providing value to people before actually selling anything so you know on Instagram you know you were saying you people were reaching out to you for help uh, with their fitness with their training with their nutrition um, and you were just doing that for free and so then I think that you know once you started, you know, um, transitioning online and, you know, started selling your services, it was quite easy for you to build up, uh, you know, a client base to start. I think with this question, we have a little bit of a different view towards this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think firstly, I was very lucky that I already had people asking me for coaching and they just jumped on straight um, straight away. Second thing to that is I had the pompous fitness guy instagram i guess that you can say even though there's it's not really just a lot of gym stuff on there i've got music on there and you know a whole bunch of different things but i guess i had the the pompous fitness guy on there so they you know you always just post your best photos Hmm. um and that's what people saw and now this is where you and i differ for me i think 
you have to look the part for people to be interested in what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very there's two very famous influencers, James Smith and Darren Cartel, who are selling. Uh, how do I put this? That you don't have to look a certain way to feel a certain way, and I, I completely agree with that. But they're personal trainers, and they're selling their lifestyle of drinking and eating crappy food all the time, and they don't look. They look like they need personal trainers. I mean, they're not in shape. They they look absolutely horrible. Um, and for me, I have the opposite view. Like I'm not going to go to an insurance broker or a, a home broker that that doesn't have a house. Like you won't go to a business coach who hasn't got a business. Exactly. Like why would I go yeah. to someone that's going to give me value for my money if they can't follow that through? Like why would you go to an investment banker that's homeless and broke? Like that just does not make sense. So why would you get a personal trainer that's out of shape? And or I'm, the one that I love is the life coaches that are like 20 years old oh and they're selling God. life coaching. Well, what life have you had? Living with your mom and dad. But yeah, so for me, that's not really um, conducive to what I want to do. And I'm very, very lucky and fortunate that I've got a very good, I don't want to use the word metabolism, but also a very good, uh, I've got very good genetics and understanding of how my body works. So I can, in brackets, eat crappy, unhealthy food and I still stay lean. And I guess that's just what people see. So they saw me looking good, eating what I want to eat. Now that's due to the fact that I know how my body works and I can achieve that through my diets and all of that. And they they kind of, you know, absorb that. I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. And I'm not one of those influencers because I don't have a following that try and sell you some poxy shite. I'm like, listen, this is what I do. I do it myself. Let's see if it works for you. And so far it has. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten results, so. Yeah, from your clients. Yes. Yeah, awesome. And you've also been through the AWPT eight-week course recently. Yeah, and how did you find that? And also, like, how did you find, I mean, <laughs> we would tell the story, we were, we were in the gym the other day, and I was like, oh, I feel so shit, why am I so weak this day? And you're like, oh, it's the week before your period, isn't it? And I was like oh, wait, let me just check my app. <laughs> and it was like my PMS week. And I was like, how do you know when my period is due? Like, how are you? Like, I'm going to say, like, you are very in tune with me. And that's going to lead us into our next topic, which your friend Holly asked us about. Um, but yeah, give us like a, a, a rough overview of like, you know, being a male coach in the industry and coaching females. Pro tip gentlemen if you have a partner that is female um try and roughly track their cycle <laughs> this way it would save you a lot of trouble and a lot of effort into avoiding certain conflicts and now i'm just not i'm not saying that to make you think oh you know he's just he doesn't want to have the conversation and avoiding a certain topic it just makes you realize as to why certain things are transpiring into real life so if I know it's this certain time of time of the month for Kayla and she's getting annoyed with something I do, I can conscientiously make the decisions like I know why she's annoyed. Well, firstly, because I'm very annoying. And secondly, you know, <laughs> she might feel emotional. So pro tip, follow your partner's cycle. It will save you a lot of trouble. Now, moving into the question about AWPT, it was shocking how much information I learned in AWPT on the, U, uh, uh, on the female anatomy 
and biomechanics that I did not learn at university. So we spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars at university um, um, studying, and the majority of it all is based off the male physiology. Now, I can kind of understand why, but also I don't understand why, because we consist of male and female, and our physiologies are different, so it should be, let's be fair, 50-50. I learned an enormous amount of information that I never got from university. I mean, at university, they touch a little bit on the cycle, amenorrhea, um, osteoporosis in, in women, and, and kind of a little bit like that. We did a little bit about childbearing and about giving birth, but I never, I've never heard of the luteal phase mm. when I was at university. So in eight weeks in AWPT, I learned a vast amount of information that I didn't get from university. And I'm literally applying it right now to my clients. Um, I've been doing a few strength and conditioning classes for some gyms around Perth. And you know, just during the classes, we, um, we chat about a few things. Um, for instance, when we do squats or deadlifts, I asked the, 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 the members when we go through these motions, I'm like, do you know why it might be easier for women to get into a better squat position or deadlift position with lower hips than it are for men? And it's just good to relay these information through the people. And it's also stuff that I didn't know. So eight weeks at AWPT. So this is the plug for AWPT. Eight weeks there taught me more than what I did at four years of university relating specifically to the female anatomy and biomechanics. Well, I think just as women, like we really, we don't even learn this stuff about our own bodies, which is absolutely crazy. And I've sort of spoken about it before, like, um, with my girls, you know, Instagram, uh, things like that, where there are so many things like, you know, we learn certain things at school, right? And I guess that's kind of a little bit, uh, you know, it helps us. It, it kind of teaches us how to learn rather than like learning certain things. Um, but I found that, yeah, you know, at school, not really taught about our menstrual cycles, not really taught about like what happens during pregnancy and afterwards, like so shocked, you know, as I was going through my own studies to, to see like, why, like, how have I not been taught this? Like, why have we not been taught this? You know, even things that I'm diving, diving deeper into now is like around your own nervous system, around the importance of breathing and, and all that sort of stuff as human beings, like you know, we should, <laughs> we should know and we should be really kind of like aware, like consciously aware of what's going on within our own bodies, whereas we're not. Um, and then we can kind of like start to, you know, firstly apply that to ourselves, you know, if you're a woman out there listening to this, but then, you know, if you're a male coach, which, you know, this is the whole idea about male coach march, I want to get, you know, a male's perspective of it all. Um then applying it with your clients, like then applying it with other people. And, you know, for you, for example, you don't have a menstrual cycle. You don't understand kind of like the physiology of, well, you can understand it, but you don't have that personal experience of what's going on. But you're really sort of in tune with me and like my cycle and what's going on at certain times um, of the month. And then, you know, when to when to sort of like <laughs> maybe let things go a little bit or, um, you know, when... I might be feeling good and like, you know, playful and all those sorts of things. And, you know, we could get into it. But 
in saying all that, I wanted to move on to your friend Holly's question, which she posted. Uh, so I, I did post a question box and um, I don't know if you want to like talk about like who, who, uh, who snores the worst or like does Kayla snore was one of the oh. questions. So if we want to... I don't, I don't snore. If we want to quickly get through some of the fun questions. So we got a few questions. Holly's one. Holly's question is the one that stood out. Like we got a few funny questions and um, the question about snoring. Kayla definitely does snore. So... I don't snore. I just talk, right? Kayla, Taylor, Kayla talks during <laughs> her sleep as well. She kept me up all weekend um, with conversations that she has with <laughs> me in her sleep i'm trying to sleep and then you know at two o'clock in the morning she's trying to have a conversation with me but she's fully asleep it's the weirdest shit ever <laughs> so she snores and she talks no and then who does the worst farts i'll take that we one. know that yeah you're gonna take <laughs> that one okay good i'm glad you did I'll that. Wear that one. i'm glad you did that you're gonna wear that one um awesome all right let's get into holly's question now so she's written I would love it if you guys spoke, and I was kind of like, when I read this, I was like, are we the people to speak about this? I think maybe you are better to speak about this than me, but I would love if you guys spoke about creating conscious relationships and the habits you guys have and ways you resolve conflict. I know it's fitness themed, but that would be epic. Um, so yeah, what I guess do you have to say to that? Okay, let me have this so I can refer back to it. Okay. So, first of all, like, do you want to, like, first of all, go through the story of how we met? Sure, sure. Um, just before I start, I've got hay fever, so if you hear me sniffle, that's why. So, we'll try, I'll try to cut this down as to how Kayla and I met to a short snippet. Um, about five and a half years ago, I just came across her profile, her profile popped up you know, in the explore feed or whatever it was, I can't remember. And I found her attractive and I'm pretty sure the photo that came up was um, Kayla in Bali where she just had, I think, the chakra henna tattoos on her, on her back. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I went through her profile and I was like, oh, she's really, she's really attractive. I found her really attractive. And just followed her. And, you know, because she wasn't in Perth, she lived on the other side of the country. I never really thought much of it. I'm like, well, I didn't like any of her stuff and all messaged her like that's just weird and life just went on and I coincidentally met my ex-partner whose name was also <laughs> Kayla <laughs> which was really weird um and then we dated and throughout our relationship I ended up meeting my now partner Kayla's ex-partner <laughs> Jordan um and Ben Pakulski at my local gym at the time um, and then I think a few months later, because I was following Kayla and then I started following Jordan as well. And a few months later, I saw that they started posting each other. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Small world. How could a Canadian guy that's here on tour meet a girl that I just found on Instagram and thought she was attractive and now they're together? Very coincidental. And that was, that was it. And, you know, they posted on their Instagrams and, and I looked at them from the outside and thought to myself, you know what, they make a really good couple, you know, they're doing things in, in the fitness industry, and it's like, oh, good on them, like, they're doing good things, and as time went on, my relationship with my ex-partner kind of came to an end, and 
that's just how life goes. And I remember I was at work one Sunday and I saw James Smith, the influencer I spoke about before, was in England at the International Fitness Summit and it was the after party and he took a video of them just dancing and there was a certain individual who came on the dance floor that danced and she looked exactly like Kayla. And I thought to myself, hey, hold on a minute. I've not seen Kayla on my feed for a long time. Um, Keep in mind... Someone had actually messaged me that video and been like, oh my God, I thought this was you as yeah. well. So so just for reference, it wasn't Kayla. It's just because she had the pineapple hair on the head and wore the, uh, uh, what are called, legging shorts or whatever. It kind of resembled her. Anyway, so I thought to myself, wait a minute, like why have I not seen Kayla on my feed for such a long time? Because I didn't, you know, actively engage with her or Jordan, I didn't notice that I wasn't following anymore. And what happened was my Instagram got hacked about a year before and I lost a lot of followers and she must have been, uh, Kayla would have been one of the ones. And I went on her profile and I went through, like I, I remember her name, Kayla, Kayla Physio. I just typed in Kayla Physio. It was still fresh in my memory from five years ago. And I went through her profile and it's like, oh, no Jordan, no ex-partner. Oh, oh. And then I kind of clicked on the photos. I'm like, why does this say Perth? Why does this say Scarborough? And I thought to myself, surely not. And um, I just couldn't let the opportunity go by. I'm like, you know what? It's been five years. I, I have no idea. I don't even know what a pickup line is. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to message her. And the first thing that popped into my head, so this is exactly what I messaged Kayla. How do I start a conversation with someone that might never see my message? Keep in mind, she's got f- uh, a large following, so I knew she wasn't going to see my message. And that, that was it. And I thought, you know what? I took my shot. I've never done this before. I took my shot. At least I know I tried. And seven minutes later... <coughs> Seven minutes, she had replied. Took me a while to, you know, go through your profile to see whether you were worth, just had to vet you. Yeah. (laughs) And she had replied and I I quickly ran out my office. And I know, I remember Becky was out there, a girl that um, works on the same mindset. And it's like, get fucked. She replied. (laughs) And then I couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. And now it's been four months. Sorry. Seven months together. Mm. Four, four months. It feels like four months has gone so quick. Yeah. Um, so we had five kind of rules of relationship that we sort of went through. Like, you know, I don't know. It was like after we'd been on our first date, I think it was. Or maybe it was even before our first date. We're like, these are the five things. Aspects. The five aspects, aspects that yeah. are going to make up a good relationship. Yeah. And I actually really resonated with them. And I was like, mm, these are good. So these Kayla asked me the question and I sent through the five aspects. And I can't actually remember them in a specific order. So <gasps> the first one was intention. Yes. Second one was communication. Communication. Third one was banter. Banter. Yeah. Fourth one was cake. And cake. the fifth one was attraction. Yes. And I was like, I'm so glad he put banter in there because that is a huge one for me and we have some good banter. You're yeah. not showing your, your real self on this podcast. Like you're very, you're big, <laughs> look at you, cheeky smile. You're being very like well this behaved. Is prof- this is professional. You're being very well behaved on this yeah. podcast, but usually he's just a scallywag. Just no, I'm a bit of a rascal. A bit of a so rascal. So we can go through the menace. first one, which is intention. I think it's something very important today, especially with Instagram and all our dating apps, um, where people are very 
no, what's the term I'm looking for? I think the term is called Peter Pan, where people are very flighty. You know, they're in and they're out. So the intention is something very important for myself as well, because if you just, if you want to, okay, let, let me let me speak then. If you want to fuck, tell someone you want to fuck. If you want to have just a short-term thing, like be open about it. If you want to have, obviously you can't go into a brand new relationship with like, hey, listen, I want to marry you. Mm. But you've got to set those kind of like intentions, like I'm not here to waste time. I think that, I like you and you're like, you seem like a cool person. Mm. Like, let's see where this goes. And I mean, that could have been, you know, the situation between you and myself. Like, either you could have turned out to be a massive arsehole. <laughs> I could have been a massive arsehole. I don't know. Like, I mean, I didn't know you from a bar of soap. Mm. I knew you from social media and I knew that you were attractive and, you know, the field that you were in. I'm like, you know, I hope that she's nice. I don't know. We had, you know, a day's worth of conversation before. It's a shame I'm not. I mean, she's an arsehole. Hey. Anyway. <laughs> um, we had a day's worth of conversation before we actually met. I messaged you on Sunday. We spoke Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday we had our first date. Um, mind you, also, Kayla was the first person, the first girl I've ever picked up from her house. Um, Such a gentleman. On on our first date. And she's also the first girl whose number I ever asked for. I've, I've never asked a girl for her number. Um, anyway, so intention was very important. And then the second one was communication. And I think communication, which is the one kind of that Holly asked about, if you could speak about conscious relationship and the habits you guys have resolving conflict. So that comes down to communication, mm. which seems very simple in its idea of itself because oh, I'm just talking. We're just having a conversation right now. Yeah. But it can be exceptionally <coughs> confronting, especially if you're having an intimate conversation with someone that you want to spend a long time with and you only want to project and show the best of yourself. You never want to open up to the shadow part of yourself or open yourself up for criticism where it's going to potentially be detrimental to your ego so it's a very very difficult concept this communication mm -hmm. malarkey yeah well i mean like i can speak from personal experience like this is you know we are by no means perfect we've had a rough ride like we it's have. been seven months and we've had a rough ride with like life things happening which um you know were kind of out of our control but also i think they've they've helped us build a solid foundation absolutely and um yeah like we've both had to do like a lot of work like holding on to you know things from our past and past you know projections and mm. things like that coming into this relationship but you know i guess one thing that we both have is that we're committed we're committed to growth um mutually committed to growth and committed to um you know being better for the other person like you know we've spoken about like the whole you know what's your love language you know how how can you show love to the other person and things like that but one thing that is different that I've experienced with you is you will bring things up like I'm I'm the kind of person that will try not to rock the boat you know like I'll let things go most of the time and just be like kind of go with the flow and whatever but you will like if there's something bothering you you will bring it up straight away you'll sit me down and you'll you'll say it in a way that's not um going to I mean sometimes obviously I do get defensive over certain things but in a way that is not going to 
spark like a reaction from me in a way that's going to um that's going to spark a response and I think like the difference between a reaction and a response is a response is more conscious so a response is you know having time to think about you know how do I want to respond to this person that I love in a way that's not going to hurt them basically in a way that's that's not going to you know because you know the ego and things like that like we can really dive deep into you know certain things that trigger certain people and you know if it's something that's you know triggering it can you know the ego is going to come up and defend itself right but consciously choosing not to have that response I think is really really important and that's something that I've definitely learnt with you as well because if you know say for example my needs weren't being met in a relationship I would um, do sort of like the passive aggressive thing (laughs) and maybe I sometimes do that oh no I don't think I do that too much now we have both learned and grown that's for sure yeah and um, yeah I mean (coughs) it's difficult it it is definitely is it doesn't matter who you are who you date and what you go through we all are different and we all perceive things different and that's perception is a very 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 big thing like i think what some people don't understand is what you might perceive one thing i might find completely different what you think is nothing might be a very big deal to me and i think that's one of the things that I myself has personally done work on. I've done a lot of self-exploration with plant medicine, um, psychedelics, if we're going to be honest. And the main reason for that is ego, ego death. Now, I, wh- when I look back on my life in my early 20s, I, I really don't like the person I used to be. I, I used to be ego-driven, always the one reacting to dumb stuff always wanted to be heard I always knew best and I really 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 do not like the person that I used to be and that's part of the big thing that I delved so deep into the ego death because a lot of us react because of our ego because our ego step forth because we do not have the mental capacity to be able to sit and listen to someone you know, let's use the word criticizing because criticizing is quite a stabby word. I'm criticizing about it. A lot of people don't have that capacity to just sit and listen. And we've had this before and instances where, you know, you've done something that if this would have happened to me when I was 25, mm. it would have sparked a massive, massive fight where, you know, we've gone through this. I said to you like, hey, listen, what's going on here? We sat down, I listened to what you had to say, I didn't react, I tried to put myself in your shoes and you know we, we, we talked about you know how this transpired, how this came to be and I said this is how I feel, why did you do this, you explained it and we kind of reached, I don't want to use a con- word like con- a conclusion but we reached a point where we were both comfortable with the situation that happened we set boundaries around this situation mm. and we moved on. However, there's also been times where you've been passive aggressive and I just did not have the capacity in that moment 
to bring you to me and say, listen, I don't like what happened here. And I just gave you the straight up cold shoulder. Mm. And that turned into a fight, a massive fight, actually. <laughs> so it's not like this is easy where we can always just sit down and say, like, oh, excuse me, darling, mm. would you kindly sit next to me and we can have a discussion on this topic? No, like it gets like it gets brutal sometimes. <laughs> like we had a massive fight over literally that whole topic where Kayla was passive aggressive and I really did not have the capability in me right in that moment to be like, hey, excuse me, I don't like what you're doing over there. And I gave her the cold shoulder and that turned into a... Because of my conditioning where, yeah. you know, like abandonment issues and things like that or, um, yeah, you know, previous scenarios that you still hold on to. And so, yeah, like doing that work like I've been doing work on my nervous system regulating my nervous system so I do have the capacity if you sit me down and you say hey like this I felt this way and I think that's another massive thing as well is like saying about how you feel rather than blaming or criticizing someone else yeah. not saying hey you did this you did this it's like this is how you made me feel with doing I this I just want to quickly jump in on that now that's something very very important and it's got a lot of weight on it because if you don't word the situation in the correct way. You're going to create a more hostile environment. So if we've been through this as well. So let's say, for instance, Kayla, um, we had a conversation and she might have left out some details subconsciously. So if I revert this around and I say to her, you're a liar, you lied to me, my finger pointing at her face, she's going to take that personally because listen to what I'm doing. I'm saying, you are a liar. Mm. I'm saying her person, what she is, is encompassed in the world of lying. She's lying, she's a liar. Instead of me saying, I kind of feel like I've been deceived or misled. So the specific scenario is me not blaming her and attacking her character. It's just saying, this is how I feel. And that's very important because what some people do is not conducive to how you feel. Mm. Perception, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, because usually it is like, just a miscommunication and that's what I think like a lot of arguments stem from is it's miscommunication and so you know communication is a skill and you know going back to you know when we do have our conversations we we both we put ourselves in each other's shoes and sort of think what would I have done in this situation and how would I feel if the tables were reversed and you know, that's that's empathy, right? And that, that's something that, you know, has to be cultivated, you know, because I definitely, like, if you sit me down and say, you did this or whatever, like, I definitely feel in myself and I can feel it in real time because I've been tracking my nervous system for almost a year and a half now. Yeah, or, yeah, almost a year. And I can feel like, oh, like this big, like, well up inside of me of like, oh, I'm going to get defensive. Like I want to defend myself, right? I want to keep myself safe. I want to keep my ego safe. Uh, but then, you know, consciously choosing, like keeping your, keeping your, basically your prefrontal cortex online, which is part of your brain in that thinking mode and thinking, okay, what response do I want to choose here? And choosing the response that is going to be most conducive to the relationship. Because I might win an argument and I am very stubborn. I'm just going to admit it. Like yes, I can be stubborn. <laughs> the word Carl likes to use for it is obstropolis. Um, I can be I can be stubborn. But, you know, is, you know, I have to sort of think like 
if I win this argument, like win quote unquote, I don't actually win the argument because it's at the detriment of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is. That's very, very true <coughs> as well. Um, like, what is this argument worth? So let's just say, for instance, let's let's take a mundane example and then a very hyperbolic example. Um, I didn't make the bed this morning. Is the relationship worth that argument? Like, let's say, for instance, it blows up, like blows up massively. Is your relationship worth the argument of who made up the bed this morning? Mm-hmm. Can you just not go pick up the sheets and do it yourself? And then just go to your partner. It's like, hey, Kayla, do you mind making the bed tomorrow? That's it. Is it worth that? Or there's the complete opposite side where, let's say, for instance, someone cheated. Is your relationship worth that? For me personally, no. I'm not going to be in a relationship where I've been cheated on. You? No, definitely not. Okay, so yeah, there's two big sides to that. So I want to address Holly's question in a few different parts here. So creating conscious relationship and the habits you guys have. So with this, we need to revert back to our past relationship a little bit so we can set a foundation. So past experiences with my partner and with what it was right now was exactly what Kayla said before. So my previous relationship was about three and a half years and we never fought. It was always the whole dynamic of it's like, no, I really don't want to bring this up. I don't want to rock the boat. It's, it's not it's not worth it. And that really, really is detrimental to the relationship because you can't test each other out. You don't really know where your limits are. You don't know what's going to happen if I prod my partner. You don't know if your relationship is strong enough to withstand a a a argument and and it definitely wasn't because we had one fight and, and that led to the ultimate demise of, of a very cruisy relationship i guess if you can put it that way so mm. there's two aspects of it it's like either you're gonna have uh, discussions and and disagreements and fights and you learn how the other person's going to react and you find yourself in a position where you feel more safe because you know, like, listen, we had a big fight, but I know sh- she's not going to leave. Mm. So from my and that's huge fast. Yes, yeah. yes. So from my previous relationship, like I d- really didn't know any of these things, so I just went through the whole motion of like, I'm just not going to bring it up. So for you, what was it like with your ex partner and how things transpired through that? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty similar. Like I would just put my needs aside because I thought, you know, if I brought up any of my needs, it was too much. So why Um, do you think it was too much? um, There was a lot going on in other aspects of our lives, like, you know, a lot of work-related stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to add to the stress of that. So I kind of just put my needs aside. And then, you know, when I did bring up something that I did need, which I had actually brought it up, you know, early on in the relationship saying like, you know, this is what I'm insecure about in my relationship. This Would is my... Would you like to delve into exact details as to what that was? If not, it's fine. Um, well, you know, just like things to do with loyalty. Like okay. loyalty is a massive value for mine. Yep. And, uh, you know, previous experiences, you know, from earlier on had, you know, dictated my insecurities in, in relationships with people that I'm close with. And, um, you know, there was a big uh, influence on one of my relationships with a really close friend of mine where it was a similar dynamic where, um, you know, I had put my needs aside and I had to walk on eggshells and, um, you know, just 
put that person's needs ahead of my own. How did that make you feel? Um, like there was a weight on my chest the entire time. So, you know, I had to be careful of what I said. I had to be careful of what I did. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I literally, and I, it had been the thing that I'd done before is put other, per other people's needs above my own. Um, and so, yeah, like that was something that has been, I think, a bit of a hard task for us because you've gotten the rough end of the stick. You've gotten me on the other side of that being like, I'm not going to let this happen to me again. Like I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm okay on my own and I'm independent. And I always kind of have been, um, but sort of, you know, you've gotten the tough end of the stick where it's like, you know, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. Like, you know, and I've had to also like relearn to let someone else in. And that's something that I'm still working on. Like we're still working on that together because, you know, after my previous relationship, it, it hasn't been that long. Like it, it was about a year, I think. And, you know, it was still almost kind of fresh because that was a traumatic experience for me, like that breakup and everything that happened throughout that relationship and other things that were going on. Like it was quite a big deal for me and I was still kind of healing as well when I met you, but we've had to discuss that as well and we've had to, um, you know, work around those things um, and we've had those conversations we're very open with each other we've been very like almost brutally honest as, as well um, which again has sort of built that solid foundation and you know going back to one of Holly's questions which was you know how did you create like security in your relationship you know you said you know we've had those those arguments or those disagreements where we know that the other isn't going to leave. That's something that you've said to me is, is I need you not to leave if something occurs. And, um, you know, for me, like I've, I've told you what my insecurities are in a relationship. And, you know, with my previous partner, I had, I had stated what those insecurities are and what I needed from him early on, you know, when everything was fresh and good. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to bring this up now because from previous experiences I know if I leave that then that's going to snowball into those insecurities kind of taking over and he had crossed those boundaries which I had set early on in the relationship and um, I guess for me like I had kind of not held those boundaries as well so that was something that I had to reflect on as well I blamed myself a lot and sort of said uh, or so you're blaming yourself for his inability to well, stick to your boundaries yeah, so you take mean, responsibility for someone else's actions yeah i mean okay. but there was you know you know this but there was manipulation and control and gaslighting and things like mm -hmm. that going on in the relationship and so i had a warped perception of what was going on and so yeah i did blame myself a lot and i was like how can i fix this like how can i be better which i don't think is a bad thing like turning it on but then also being like hang on like there are two people in this relationship both people need to take responsibility a hundred percent responsibility and not just putting it off on the other person being like hey this is your problem you need to so sort it out um and i think you know that's something that we do well is like being like you know this isn't just your burden to carry yes we both have to like yes we're both committed to growth committed to 
um, what we need to make this work, um, but also doing our own work separately is also really important. So, you know, we've discussed, you know, what your insecurities are, what my insecurities are, what we both need, um, because everybody has them. And anyone who says that they don't have insecurities is probably lying. Um, and, you know, even if you've done work on it and you've you've made them better, then uh, they'll still come up in stressful situations. You'll you'll revert back to what what your instincts are if you don't feel safe. And that's why I think, you know, working on your nervous system is super important because being in a more regulated state is going to allow you to respond in more of a conscious way where it's not just reacting instinctively and based off emotion. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think, you know, building that security and that, um, you know, we've done a lot of work on, uh, you know, researched into, and I was doing this as well after my previous relationship into attachment styles as well, because, you know, I have tended to attract, you know, I have probably more of like an anxious avoidant attachment style where I've tended to attract avoidant types in relationships. And so becoming more secure in myself and doing work on myself to, I guess, love myself a little bit more, um, which I hate kind of saying that because it's like, how do you do that? Like, I still, honestly, I still don't know how you do that um, and still working on that. But, um, you know, recognizing what our patterns are. And so, you know, you tend to have more of like a, kind of like an anxious secure type okay and and you know sometimes when your anxious comes out that's when my avoidant comes out and there's that kind of like play um but you know I think as we sort of go on as as we sort of you know keep having these hurdles that we have to overcome and learning about each other I feel we do become more secure as we sort of go along Mm. um so with the security thing is as well I think you have to you don't have to create the scenario, but when the scenario pops up, like I personally feel that, you know, a lot of people, especially in relationships, this new ones are like, oh no, I trust my partner. I trust my partner, I, pr- I trust that person. How? How do you trust them? Mm. I know we all have this um, preset inclinations, like you always see the best in other people, but how do you trust your partner? Has Has anything happened where they've shown you their trust? So I'm gonna, take a actual example that Kayla and myself went through and this is a perfect example of me creating the security and Kayla not wanting to rock the boat so we were one night we were watching a movie or something and a notification came onto my watch um, that all that Kayla saw was a girl's name and from Snapchat and I could instantly see that a whole demeanor changed. Instantly. And I instantly took the remote, paused the movie, and I said, Kayla, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. I said, no, come on, talk to me. And she said, nothing. I said, listen, do you have to tell me what's wrong? I can see. I think I asked her about Didn't five. Didn't want to rock the boat. Uh, yeah, about <laughs> six or seven times. And she goes, oh, I saw the notification. I said, yeah. She goes, oh, it was a woman's name. I said, ah, okay, I see what's going on here. So I took my phone out, opened it, and I said, oh, you saw this name? And she said, yes. And I went into my Snapchat because Kayla obviously thought that 
I, you know, your mind goes to the worst places when these things happen. Like when you're in that kind of like fright, flight kind of situation, because it makes you feel like it gives you that kind of like sick stomach feeling and like the knot in your throat. And stuff. Mm. So she obviously thought some woman was sending me nudes. <laughs> and I took my phone out and I showed her. It's like, all this is, is she uploaded to her story. So I use Snapchat for conversations with literally one person and that's my friend Gavin um, and that's literally the only guy I talk to I mean I'm 32 years old now I don't <laughs> use fucking Snapchat but anymore I, don't, I mean I don't even have Facebook I've got better things to do with my time but right there that creates that security because she felt insecure her mind went to the worst possible scenario there's some random woman sending me photos of her flaps trying to <laughs> seduce me Jesus. trying to seduce me <laughs> And that's what she probably thought in the moment. And I had to probe to ask her what was wrong to say, listen, I've got absolutely nothing to hide here. Let me show you. And that's where the trust has been built. And the same thing can happen from both sides. Like, how do you create security? There has to be a scenario where the other person per se feels uncomfortable, insecure. And you show them, hey, listen, this is what actually is going on mm. here. Here you go. So let's say, for instance, a random dude messages Kayla on, on Instagram asking, I don't, God knows, for f- <laughs> feed pics or something. Feed pics. I mean, I'd say sell them. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if some random that. guy asks Actually, Kayla. Actually, no, I have had that. Feed photos? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, so a random guy messages Kayla and be like, oh, hey, I saw you on your walk uh, yesterday morning. Do you want to maybe go for a walk? she brings that to me that creates the environment of she's open she's transparent she's not hiding these things i'm not going to see a message from a guy on her phone if she leaves it unlocked running off to the bathroom um coincidentally like she's creating this secure environment for me the same thing let's say for instance i mean we're 30 years old we don't go out partying anymore but when she goes out with her friends i'm like hey i'm here with so and so we're going to be here till this time. I'm like, wonderful, have have a good time. It's not me sitting at home waiting by the front door wondering what you're up to or who you're doing it with. Mm. There has to be a scenario where you both are open, transparent to create a feeling of security and not just the feeling, actual security so the other person can feel comfortable. And that also goes back into what you said you know, one thing for me is, is I guess, abandonment as well. And I said to you, if we're having a fight, you can't walk out on me. Mm. So we, how do I know that that's going to be the case? We need to have a fight mm. so I can see that you're going to stay. Mm. That creates the security. So you can't mm. create security out of nothing. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, no, I trust my partner. Or say to your partner, oh, I want you to trust me. It doesn't work that way. You need to be able to prove it. Like, where's, where's the proof? Yeah. You know what I mean? Action speaks volumes over words. And that's something I always say to Kayla as well. I said, she spoke earlier about me, you know, copying the rough end of her transition into personal growth. I'm like, okay, fair enough. It's not easy. It is very difficult. But I wouldn't be worth my name. I wouldn't be worth the label a man if I couldn't stick through her with this. Like what? What is? What? What does it mean then? If I say I love you, I only love you 
in these conditions. Mm. I only love you when it's easy and you're cooking for me and you're cleaning for me and you're buying me gifts and we have sex four times a day every single day. Mm. I only love you in those certain scenarios. No, absolutely not. That means I need to love you through all the good times where we go ice skating and rollerblading and having a good time, laughing, being intimate. And I need to love you when you're going through your cycle, when you're going a little bit emotional or when you fall sick or you've hurt your back and I need to sit there and massage you and mobilize your spine and have to do the hard work where you're doing calls uh, hour after hour after hour where the house gets dirty and I need to pick up the slack and I need to clean and I need to cook. It's not just a one-sided thing. If I can't do that, that I wouldn't be worth being in a relationship for. So you have to be able to be in those scenarios to prove, I don't really want to say this, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone, but prove that you are worth investing in. And investing in a relationship is very important. Time, effort, emotion, and that creates the the whole concept of being secure in your partner. Now, I know if we're having a very, very big fight right now, that tonight, going to be able to kiss you and tell you I love you before we go to bed. Mm. That is security, and that's what it means to me. Mm-hmm. So with the previous experience with the partners and how did it make you feel, what's different now in our relationship? What's different for you now? Well, I definitely feel secure. I feel way more secure in our relationship. Do you feel that you need to ask for a lot? No. Okay, so how's that different? Um, I mean, I feel like I didn't really need to ask for a lot last time because I was, you know, trying to not rock the boat. Um, but if I did ask for something, then those needs weren't being met. Um, what, what's the difference now? Or you will sit me down and you will make sure. You will triple check. You'll double, triple, quadruple check that I'm okay and that I feel reassured. And that, um, you know, I guess validate my feelings is, is a huge one. Like, um, you know, previously my feelings were kind of just... I guess shoved to the side and not really validated and I wasn't reassured and I literally had to ask for it. I was like, literally, all you need to do is reassure me, like just reassure me and that wasn't even being able to be met and, you know, again, you know, that could possibly be because I couldn't be reassured because there was other stuff going on but, um, yeah, it definitely is a work in progress and it's, It's been a very, very interesting learning experience. Why did you say interesting? Um, Just because, you know, I thought after I had done my own work, you know, I spent a year like just literally on myself, focusing on myself, doing my own work in myself. And I was like, oh, you know, next time will be easy. I know what's going to come up. I know what's going to happen. It'll just be easy. Like it'll be and. Yeah. An easy relationship, <laughs> eh? Huh? An easy relationship. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's called a one-night stand. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, that's... So, yeah. that's the difference between now. Now, let's just get into some of the other questions that we had as well, which was... 
Are you taking over this podcast, are you? Yeah, it seems like it. Okay. I've got the questions with me. Do you want to ask them? There you go. Okay. Yeah, I'm interviewing you, so I'll ask Sorry. the questions. Um, okay, so to finish up, what is one, what is something people seem to misunderstand about you? Okay, we can both answer these questions. So number one is the one that Kayla misunderstood about myself. We've already discussed this, that I'm a bodybuilder slash gym junkie, which mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm firstly a musician. Well, I want to, I want to put this back on you. Like, what do you, I don't, I don't know what people would misunderstand about me. Stop writing notes. <laughs> about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you think about me before you met me? Um, I try not to judge. Oh, <laughs> really? Um, no, I think so. Misunderstand. How do I come across on social media? Okay, that? so this is something that's a bit of an inside scoop on Kayla. She comes across very innocent on her um, on her social media. Sh- she's a shit. Ah! She's an absolute rascal. Come on. Um, but I guess that's just the concept that, you know, social media creates. I mean, my social media would show, you know, whatever I want you to show, but it doesn't show the fact that I'm a stinky bastard, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I do horrible farts, so (laughs) it just shows the best, and I mean, I've been following you for quite some time, and and I guess it is just the highlight reel, but for me, after getting to know you, I think you come across as, you know, uh, you you come across more innocent than what you really... More proper. Yeah, more proper, I mean, Kayla and I are quite... We're very open. Our relationship is very, very open. There's nothing that we find disgusting about <laughs> each other. Like, uh, do, do, do you want to go? Oh, you're going to say something about being on the toilet or yeah, something. Yeah, so we, we just leave the toilet open when we go to the bathroom. And, you know, when... <laughs> when <laughs> so when it's... when it's is it a, Was it a good one? <laughs> this bump if it was a good one. Yeah, so if it's if Kayla does a shit and she comes out and if, if I always ask her, it's like, oh, was it a good poo? And if, she's, if she says yes, I give her a high five or a fist bump. So these are not the things that you could see on social media. And I mean, a lot of people sometimes do post these things and... I guess, you, you know, you, you being kind of in the public eye, you have to have a certain persona that you need to keep up. Like, I mean, I like posting like real provocative stuff on my social media only because I've got a little following. I'll post sexual stuff on there and, you know, whatever it is, you know, vagina, dick. I don't actually post photos about vagina, <laughs> but, you know, topics about up, whatever it is. Um, and, and you can't do that because obviously, again, you've got a certain reputation that you need to uphold. So you come across a certain way and I see... Uh, so like funny <laughs> memes that are rude, but I yeah, find... Yeah, yeah. But so funny. I see a completely different side. So you guys see the done up version of Kayla with her makeup on. I'm looking at Not her. Not always. Not always, but I'm looking at her. She's wearing one of my shirts. She's wearing my socks <laughs> and her hair looks... <laughs> like Medusa's there, and she looks absolutely beautiful. Oh, stop. Thank you. Um, alrighty. So, uh, I guess, you know, I've actually been told that I seem intimidating. No. On social media. Where no, it's like, probably I'm just like, people well, that I'm, not, to I'm the least confrontational DMs. person ever. No, okay, that's not intimidating. Um, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Oh inspired okay so this probably is going to be a two-sided answer so number one bit soppy Kayla inspires me Mm. um I feel she was also a very big driver behind me going online and taking that endeavor so 
she definitely inspires me and she's a very, very hard worker. I sometimes feel very inadequate um, around her, which, you know, different dynamics and relationships, she's just constantly working. So that kind of makes me feel a little bit inadequate, but she definitely inspires me to be a... No, you're definitely teaching me to take more rest. Yeah, because I'm a lazy bastard. But anyway, so she inspires me to work harder. and To um, enjoy life. Yeah. And the second thing is when I play music and when I am, you know, just... That to me feels when I'm most myself and I'm just sitting there. Now, I don't do it very often, but Kayla, when she's at my house, she'll be sitting on the couch reading and I'll just be on the guitar just playing whatever I feel like. And I feel that feels, to me, that's when I'm most myself because I'm in my environment. I'm not an extroverted person. I'm not a people person. I'm in my house. I feel I spend a lot of money on my stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) on my house. I want to be there and I just feel that's where I'm myself the most mm-hmm. for you um for me it's like the complete opposite like I feel most myself when I'm teaching mm-hmm. so when I am you know with my girls or with you know people on the course or you know doing an in-person seminar or something like that when I'm teaching learning and teaching I think that's when I feel most myself I absolutely love you know we talk about I feel like I come across like maybe on social media as like a very one dimensional like just fitness and training and nutrition Mm. and whatever but my favorite hobby to do is reading and learning so I absolutely love reading I love learning I love you know I guess you know if you do those personality tests and things like that like I'm half introverted half extroverted where it's like I maybe come across as more so extroverted but I love like sitting on my couch and reading and then I love you know we were watching a movie the other night where it's like literally the meaning of life is like to pass things on Mm. so you know i love you know teaching what i learn basically Mm. so getting in front of a group and and teaching that's when i feel most myself and i get energized from that like some people when they are in with a big group of people they get drained yeah see that's where we we differ fundamentally on that so for kayla it's a lot of like interaction for me all my hobbies that i have is all solo so Mm. again training in the gym you know you do i find that all i train by myself playing music i just play by myself i Mm. use tracks for that riding motorbike is solo Mm. working on my playing video Mm. games solo Mm. working on my car you know solo stuff so that's where we we differ and I think that's where we bring out a little bit of each other as well so with you bring me out to the people and I bring you back inside to yourself mm. for a bit more of internal reflection and relaxing relaxing question three what is one thing oh this is a good one what is one thing your program did for your client that you didn't expect oh so my very first female client that I got on board lost four kilos in maintenance I was I was not expecting that at well, all. She wasn't at maintenance then. Well, it must have been from the numbers that she gave me. Well, she would have been in a deficit if she lost weight. She lost weight, but I the macros that I gave her from her credentials that she gave me yes. was meant to be maintenance. Predicted maintenance. Yeah, yeah, predicted maintenance, and she lost weight. Um, either sh- she didn't give me her proper credentials or she was um, doing a lot more activity than what I programmed for her. Mm-hmm. But that was quite cool. But also, like, the calculator could have been incorrect. My calculator is not incorrect. Babe, it's a calculator. And no. That's <laughs> my calculator that I created. It is not incorrect. Yeah, but it's not. T- it is not incorrect. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, um, no, she just exerted herself a lot more because she ended up doing 
what I prescribed to her with a little bit of cardio and she also played a lot of volleyball. So I think that's where it came into play. Mm -hmm. So the variables were a little bit more than what I predicted. Mm. Um, One thing like I can say, speaking from the mentorship point of view is that the, the mindset shift in some of the girls. So, you know, my mentorship is based around programming, training, nutrition, um, getting the girls to actually go through the program before they, uh, you know, pass that on to their clients. But one thing I didn't expect is the amount of personal growth and the mindset shift that the girls got out of it. So, you know, one thing that most of the coaches who, you know, come into the mentorship say is like, I want to feel more confident as a coach in my programming, in my business, all these sorts of things. And the personal growth that they go through and the mindset shift of like knowing their worth and building that confidence is definitely one thing that you know I didn't expect out of the program and yeah I absolutely love it like I love when the girls come to me and be like I just feel so much more confident I feel like I know my worth as a coach I don't feel like everyone has those insecurities about imposter syndrome and things like that but they're just more so like working through that and, and having that shift in what they're putting out. So question four, turn back to your, turn back time to your 18 year old self. What would you tell him? Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> How old That's is it. That? Yeah. That's it. I mean, everything else I wouldn't change. Like I said before, uh, you know, you can put it whichever way you want. Was Bitcoin a thing though? Because I remember I was very early on. I don't think it was when I was 18. I, I think, think I was 24 when it first yeah. came out and yeah, I so put a little bit in. But I wish I put more in now because yeah. I, so was, I was skeptical about it and I didn't have money to invest. It was a big thing. It doesn't matter if you didn't have anything then would yeah. be... Yeah, what's the margin of increase? Like something like... It went from like what six dollars to ninety thousand dollars, so mm. thousands upon thousands percent. So that's all I would have done. I mm. mean, like I said, I was an asshole when I was younger, but I mean that as mm. all learning obstacles that I had to overcome. So the only thing I would have done differently, mm. tell him to invest in Bitcoin as soon as it come out, so I can be rich and wealthy <laughs> right now. And yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, but then maybe you wouldn't have had to go through those struggles that woman. Okay. <laughs> Let me be rich. What would you say to your 18-year-old self? Um, 18-year-old self, I think not to waste time on dumb shit and to start investing in my business sooner. I wish I got started on my business sooner. I think that's something very important for everyone out there. Mm. Still contemplating whether or not they should do it something. Just do it. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Go out and do it. I mean, I got told so many times do online coaching if I did it back then Mm. I would have never been in the position where I'm right now where I'm like I still have to vet a few more clients so I can be self-sustained um I would have had all of that so just just go and do it it doesn't matter if you don't know how learn Mm. find someone who yes oh yeah that that's something that I would say is like invest like invest more because I thought I could do everything on my own and I still kind of have still that, that. Still mentality, but um, yeah, just sort of thinking like reach out for help for someone who has done what you want to do, I think is a big thing. And don't be afraid to like reach out to people because people do want to help. Um, and yeah, that's all, that's all I would say is just, yeah, like 
invest and don't try and do it all on your own. Yeah. Like be ready to make that monetary exchange because it will come back to you. When I started investing more so in my personal development, more so in my business, like that's when it just comes back to you like tenfold. Um, question five, what's the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, that would be from you. Oh, what did I say? Um, oh, you give me lots of compliments. Aww. I'd say probably the best one that I've ever received would have been from you um, telling me that I am the most amazing man that you've ever met. Aww. I mean, we all, we all get, you know, passes by throughout our life that gives us compliments, but it's really, uh, it carries a lot of weight hearing that from you considering what we've been through, what you've been through in your life be able to tell that to me um so just because you're your partner doesn't you know subtract from that but that carries a lot of weight for me as well because i know where you've been and where you come from to be able to make that distinction and say to me that i'm the most amazing man that you've met mm. apart from my dad is what i said okay whatever <laughs> i'm joking i love you um you? Oh, for me, best compliment I've ever received. You don't have to say it's about me. It's not a competition. What's the best one? You know? <laughs> um, like I can't think of a specific one, but when people tell me that, you know, I've helped them immensely. Mm. Like when I get feedback from my courses, when I get feedback from the mentorship, when I get feedback from um, just people you know, maybe just randoms on Instagram, like you've helped me so much with this. Like that for me is like, I guess it, it is validation in a way. Yeah, but hold on. Let's just stop right there. It is literally you achieving your goal. Literally, yeah. So you can't say, oh, it's validation. That's literally what your business consists of for mm. helping people and you're helping them and they're giving you the honest feedback. It's like, I did this, mm. you helped me. So I don't think it's validation. I think you're shortchanging yourself on that one. Mm. You're just accomplishing your goal. Yeah. It, it really do, It's really why I do what I do. Like if somebody comes to me and sends me a message like that, it literally makes my day. Like, you know, that's that's in the end, like that's all I really want is just to help people, yeah. really. And so, yeah, it just, it makes my day. Um, more so than ever, like, you know, we could go into the love languages. You know, words of affirmation is my love language. So when people say that, and again, you give me beautiful compliments. Like you say so many nice things to me as well, which like, you know, is a really nice compliment. But um, yeah, when, when I hear that from people like, because I haven't really done any kind of like formal study on how to teach and how to educate. I just kind of go off Naturally. what feels intuitive yeah. to me. And, you know, people have said, you're the most amazing educator or something like that, that I've come across. Or, you know, you were made, you are born to educate. Like, you know, you just explain things, complex subjects in such a simple way that makes it easy to understand and easy to um, apply practically. Like that, yeah, that just makes me feel really good. Like that's a, an amazing compliment to me. Um so, yes. Uh, moving on. There should be some more. What? Oh, I can't even read my writing here. Do you want me to read that? What's the most important thing you've learned in your life? What was your life like before and what was your life like after? 
I think this comes back to something that you said earlier about self-love. So um, there's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jordan Peterson, who I absolutely adore. Um, I've read his books. I'm reading them again. Kayla bought me one of his books, and he's played a major role in my my life in becoming a man stepping into my own being one of the most important things that I've that you've learned in your life so it's something that I put into place um I went celibate for a year after a relationship of mine where I got cheated on and this is you know conducive to some stuff that he said um it was kind of coincidence. So for the first three months, it just didn't happen. And then I consciously made the decision, listen, I'm not going to um, delve into intimate relations with women for at least a year. Because that can be self-validation as well. Um, what, just sleeping with people? Mm. Yes, yes. Um, I think if you want to break that down into an individual scale, I guess... You can bring that down to, you know, someone's childhood where they didn't get validation from their family or parents, where they go out looking for it for the short-term satisfaction. And that kind of plays into the whole hedonism mindset where it is satisfaction for now when you're not taking into account the future. It's like kind of like, let's say for someone that's dieting, you want a burger right now, but is that conducive to your end goal? And I guess that's what, you know, the hedonic mindset plays into as well. Yourself satisfying you now with validation, but what kind of validation is that? It doesn't really mean anything, especially for your long-term goal and for your growth. So I went celibate for a year, and I think that's where I discovered who I am, what I am outside of that parameter of seeking validation, and I learned to me what self-love was. So... I completely disassociated me with any women. Like if they approach me and be like, no, I'm not interested on Instagram. If someone would message me and just be like, block them. I'm not here for this. And I learned a lot about myself as to what drives me. What do I want in life? What are my goals? What are my morals? And I think from there on out, it changed me into be a man. So I went in a short amount of time from being a boy mm to a man and how has that changed my life and my behavior right now is I guess also taking responsibility on my actions um, and not trying to blame everything on everyone else and like listen this is what I did okay yes I haven't had sex for a year but why because I chose to do it mm -hmm. not because women didn't want to but because this was my decision so I took responsibility for exactly what happened you will for me, I think my biggest lesson is learning to trust myself again and learning to not allow like the perceptions or the opinions or the, hmm, what else could I call it? You know, the, the, yeah, literally like the perceptions of others, like shade what I feel inside. So, you know, I used to, I guess, you know, voice maybe an opinion or a way I was feeling or something like that and have that like shut down yeah like almost like like you know we call it gaslighting where you know someone manipulates your sense of reality and so therefore you have like a warped sense of your own reality whereas like your reality is valid and I think 
you know, as human beings, we are super complex creatures and we do have, we do have two sides in us. Like we do have conflicting emotions. We can, we can experience two conflicting emotions at the one time. Like, you know, we have words for them as well. Like, you know, if something is bittersweet, something is, you know, you feel happiness over it, but you also feel sadness over it so it's like i mean if you cry when you're happy crying is not conducive to being happy it's being sad yeah but literally what that is is that's a release of adrenaline like tears is literally a a release of adrenaline a release of energy from your nervous system to sort of mobilize that energy that you have inside of you and so i think you know learning that and building a trust within myself and trusting myself that i will always make the right decision that i will always be okay no matter what happens um and trusting in those instincts and setting boundaries is is a valuable lesson that i have because i've had two maybe even three very um like what's the word like relationships that have had a massive impact on my life that you know, I did put my needs second. I, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust what was going on because I had, you know, maybe I had swept some things under the carpet that I didn't want to see in those relationships for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the person. And I would never do that ever again in my life. And I know that I won't let myself get to that point where if something's not serving me, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm not going to like push it if that kind of makes sense I'm not going to justify why someone is treating me a certain way I'm not going to justify to myself um, you know feeling a certain way because of what someone else has done and so yeah I think that's definitely changed my life because now I choose consciously the relationships that I want in my life and if it's not serving me or if it's not serving a purpose uh, then you know, I'm not going to allow that to take up my energy because my energy is important. And that comes back to self-worth as well. Self-worth, yeah, 100%. Mm. That's definitely something that I've had to learn, I guess relearn maybe, and probably learn for like one of the first times in my life, but also something I'm still working on. And learning to not have that defined by anything else is super important. Not letting that be defined by my business and how well my business is doing. Not letting that be defined by another person or relationship in your life. Like literally having that self-worth that is internal um, and basing it off that. Of course, you can't let your self-worth be determined on external factors because (coughs) if you take that away, then what are you? Mm. And that can be taken away, I know from personal experience in a absolute heartbeat and that comes into self-love self-worth when you want to put that internally like you need to love yourself you need to be kind to yourself because you're the only person that you're going to spend your whole life with mm-hmm. so if you are, do not have a good relationship with yourself it's always going to be confronting mm-hmm. and how can you be in another relationship if you're not in a good place with yourself and you're if you're always judging yourself and always doubting yourself, how can you be in a better relationship from an external point of view than you are internally? So be kind to yourself. Mm. And the last question, which I think is kind of a fun one, best and the worst thing about dating me? (laughs) 
We we spoke about this before. We did, and I think we? yeah. You're gonna remember the answers that I'm not because I got the worst memory. She dipped out another thing. <laughs> Kayla has the worst memory, absolute worst. Oh, come on. Um, the best thing about dating you is that you are an absolutely beautiful man so you are very thoughtful you are very kind caring loving um reassuring i just feel safe and secure with you so that's that's the best thing the worst oh, she she forgot to say that i'm an exceptional lover as well oh <laughs> Had that one in there. thank you keeping it pg here you know yep. even though you've like <laughs> <laughs> dropped a few bombs <laughs> in that one. I don't know how that's going to be received. Um, worst thing. <laughs> you can be honest. Don't be scared that we've got people listening. We're being uh, very open. The worst. Go for gold. <coughs> the stinky farts. I think, is that what I said last time? It is not, no. No, what did I say? I think maybe that you... And it's it's funny because it's not the... Because it's also the best thing. And this is where, like, the complexity sort of comes in, where, like, your sensitivity. Like, I'll literally make fun of something with... <laughs> How deep do we want to go into this? Go for gold. <laughs> I'll literally make fun of something as a joke, and you'll take it seriously. Do not make fun of my But carbs. it's banter. banter. Don't make fun of my three. carbs. That's just, it's not, that's a complete moot topic. I don't think making fun of my calves is bent. I'm actually really that's hilarious. That's personal. That's the best thing about dating me. I'm hilarious. So the best and the worst thing about dating Kayla is, the best thing is my love language is quality time. My, that's my first one, but I think that's because I used to do FIFO, but now that I'm home, it's shifted a little bit more to my second one, which is physical touch. And I think one of the best things is that about you is that you we're open enough to communicate and meet each other's needs and I think without me even needing to have told you that that's my love language that you meet that so I feel fulfilled through you that you can meet my needs on a personal and a partner level Mm. Um, and also that's interesting that you say that because like that comes naturally to me to be affectionate towards my partner but for you like you're very good with your words with me like you're very good at sitting me down and reassuring me and mm. like talking to me about those sorts of things so very interesting cuz english is not well. even my vernacular but mm. i am quite good with that and the worst thing about kayla is her taste in music oh come on she listens to some very questionable genres of music that doesn't <laughs> really gel with my musical background. The best ones. The R&B and oh the techno. Oh, God, no. It's Please save us. <coughs> Look, I used to be a musician too. Hey, that's something that people don't probably know about me. I used to be a DJ. That's not a musician. Yeah. Let's not get this confused. Yeah. That's someone manipulating noises. <laughs> oh, it's dear. not a musician, but I think because of my background in music, um, it's not... It's, it's funny because same. my dad's a, a musician as yeah, well. We've got He's some good chats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the best and the worst thing about being in a relationship with Kayla. Not not the the unpleasant the unpleasantness. 
I and the memory loss. I can deal with that. Yeah. You can't deal with the music. No, I can't hey, deal with the music. Hey, we do so. We have some good. I have a a vast range of music. No, she doesn't. I do. If I just you play stuff when we have a dance and we have a sing in the kitchen. Yeah, we well, yes, we we dance in the kitchen a lot when we cook and yeah. I sing to Kayla a lot. I serenade her. We put some Louis on and we. Yeah, have a, but that's yeah. that's classic. I'm, I mean, the the nonsense that you listen to that techno. Garbage. The only music that I don't like is metal, and that's my favorite genre. Mm, yeah. As soon as I put that, it's not even metal. It's just a little bit of hardcore, and you're like, ah, 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 ah. I don't want to listen to this. No. <laughs> Oh, good one. All right. Well, thank you. This is like the longest podcast I've ever recorded. How I long think. has that gone for? An hour and a half. That's not even long. I hope people are still listening. The last one I did was like two and a half hours. Oh, well, sorry. Um, where can we find you? Oh, only on Instagram. Only on Instagram. I've got. Um, you can type in, and this is something I'm actually proud of. You can type in flex underscore, and I'm the first person that comes up, which is quite the feat because there is a very famous bodybuilder by the name of Flex Lewis. Mm-hmm. But when you type in flex, I'm the first one that comes up. So my Instagram handle is a little bit confusing. So it's flex it. Flex underscore it underscore Flacecook. So Wh- give us the background on Flacecook. Um, okay, so Flacecook is not... Oh, I thought it was your last name originally. I was like... And my, like, just a bit of a side story. My background or my ancestry is Dutch and Afrikaans or... My vernacular. Come, yeah, is a mix of Dutch, German and English. English yeah. And so I was speaking to my Oma actually, and which means grandmother, grandmother in Dutch, and she was like Flacecook. That's interesting last name, and I was like, oh, like because well, I didn't know at the time that it wasn't your last name. Oh. It was just like a name you'd made up. But she's like, that means flesh cake or beef cake, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's basically what Flacecook means. But yes. it's not your last name. No, so my workmates used you to You have just three call last me. names. Yeah. <laughs> so my workmates used to call me Beefcake and then they asked me what's what's Beefcake in Afrikaans? And I said, Well, there's no such word, so I actually made up the word. All I did was take the word beef and Afrikaans and cake and just fuse them together. So that's Flacecook. Okay. And that's where you can find me. Flex so at Flacecook. Flex at Flacecook. That's it. Excellent. Thanks. You for can you can find some quality memes over there, and then sometimes <laughs> I post some fitness stuff. Sometimes, some sometimes <laughs> it's more so, more so memes. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Ciao.